pushing it into a parched and barren land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land, be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And may the Lord bless his, his word. Now we're going to have a time of intercession. Rachel is going to come and Lead us in our... ...doing the singing of the next song, but there you are. Okay. Yes, I have a problem with time. You know why? I'm a child of eternity. And I'm used to services going on for, well, in Thailand anyway, uh, for two hours and so forth. Okay, yes, time is going and almost, yeah... Well, my name is Malcolm Thorpe. I'm a retired Baptist minister. My wife is, is with me. Uh, we've been in the Baptist ministry, oh, as a rev anyway, for 34 years, um, or more than that, but yeah. And uh, before that was a lay pastor in the valleys in South Wales. And uh, so pleased that you're uh, having a baptismal service because... Fifty and a half years ago, no, nearly 52, 51 years now, uh, I went out of curiosity as a young man of 20 and a half to see someone being baptised. And it was there that the Lord spoke to me. And uh, he spoke in a very clear way. The minister was speaking from 
the story of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was going through Jericho, and he said that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he'll never pass that way again, because Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. It was the final week, the week of his ministry, in and around the temple before he was um, arrested and beaten beyond human recognition and crucified. He did this for the sins of the world. And he did this for my sins. Now, as a person then, I'd always believed in God. I'd gone to Sunday school. Then I stopped going when I was 14 and a half. And uh, so... Although I believed in God, believed all the stories about David and Goliath and all the other heroes of the Bible, and, and I believed in Jesus and in dying on the cross for the world and for the sins of the world, I believed that he was risen, Jesus. But hey, those were facts. What did that have to do with my life? It had very little to do with my life. But then... I started thinking as the minister was preaching. This was the opportunity that God was giving to everyone in that building. And it was in South Wales, in Duckpool Road. There were about three or four hundred, no, maybe four or five hundred people. I'd gone in out of curiosity. I had my mates with me. One of them was being baptized because I knew he was a churchgoer and we wanted to support him. And it was as though God got hold of me by the scruff of the neck. And what went through my mind, and this is very often now, God speaks through my mind, through different things. And it was as though God himself said, it's now or never. Because I realized during that service that Jesus didn't just do it for the world. He did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for the individuals of the world. That includes all of us. And so uh, I thought, it's now or never. You know, the words of, well, you youngsters might not remember it, but, you know, the older ones amongst us. In those days in the rock world, you know, Elvis was king. It's now or never. And that was it. And I thought to myself, yes, there's no reason why God could, should give me another opportunity to come to him so that I could have my sins forgiven, so that I could receive the gift of eternal life, so that he could live his life through me, because that's what the Lord wants for all of us. He wants to live his life through us. And I thought, wow. And I thought, I'm not good enough for all this. I can't, I won't. But it was though God had me by the scruff of the neck. And he was saying, I've chosen you. Oh, I didn't know all this at the time. It was all very strange. And yes, emotions were involved. Something was going on in my life. My heart was pounding. My stomach was turning over. And I thought, wow. 
And I kept saying, I can't live the life. Because I knew who I was and what I was like. Oh, I wasn't a, a terrible sinner, as people put it. I wasn't a murderer and, you know, no, no, no. I was a kind of nice boy, really. I don't know what's happened in time. But, you know, but God was calling me. God wanted me for his child. God wanted me to surrender so that he could live his life through me. I couldn't do it. And that's what the words that went through my thought process. No, I know you can't live that life. But if you surrender to me, I will live my life through you. And uh, I got up. I was the only one that um, answered the appeal that, more, uh, that evening. And I went forward and I was baptized. And as I say, that is 50 and a half, or a little more than 50 and a half years ago. And God has been faithful. Oh, I've let him down lots of times. I've been unfaithful. I've been reluctant to serve. But you know, when God takes hold of your life and you surrender to him, he doesn't give up on you, even if you feel like giving up on him. That's how faithful God's love is. Eventually, I received the call to go into the ministry. Again, that was a miracle in itself. I didn't have the qualifications. I didn't have the O-levels or anything like that. But when God calls, he will equip and he will take you all the way. And that's my testimony to God's faithfulness. I've been in Baptist ministry for nearly 34 years, or just over 34 years. I came out of that ministry. It was a time when God says, give me back your ministry. We can fall into that trap. Then we say, oh, God's given me a ministry. It's mine. It's not. It's never ours. It's his. And we have to be pliable in his hands. And if he wants something back, he has something else for us. And I did some work overseas um, in the Ukraine working amongst the poorer Jewish people and the Holocaust survivors, those that were being persecuted back in those days, and uh, they still are to this very day. In fact, there's a huge rise in anti-Semitism these days, just like it was before the Second World War. It's incredible, the days in which we're living. And in those days, the days we're living in these days, God is calling you and me in Jesus to be bright, shining stars. You'll probably uh, have some teaching and preaching on this as you go through Philippians, because it's there in Philippians chapter 2. 
from verse 18 through. It talks about difficult days. And we've seen difficult days in, in Ukraine. We've seen difficult days in many areas, but we've not, to the point, shed our blood for the gospel. But many of those who have gone before us have already done that. They remain faithful to the end. They receive a crown of life. For why has Christ saved us? Yes, he saved us in order that we might serve and reflect and show and demonstrate his loving kindness. He's called us to serve one another. Not just to be blessed and be blessed and be blessed. And of course, blessings come in various ways. Not by just the asking of it. As we give ourselves, as Jesus gave himself, so we receive that deep blessing of God. And he gives us that joy and the talk today, if Ian had been here, was supposed to be uh, on joy. Joy through setbacks. Joy through persecution. And our brothers and sisters in Jesus who have gone before us and those who are alive now in different countries of the world, they know what this joy is in their suffering. And it's a joy of the Lord, which is more than just a happiness and a smile. And are you all right? Yes, thank you. I'm fine. No, my heart's breaking, but my trust is in God. His joy, sometimes inexpressible, is God's power and strength for us. And it's our yielding to him. Now, I've had four churches in my uh, ministry. One was in the Rossendale Valley in Lancashire. And uh, one was in Belvedere in, well, Greater London on the Kent borders. Bexley Heath area that way. And then down in St. Austell for 18 years, 13 years in ministry, five years out, doing exploits for the Lord, doing different things, and then back into the ministry. And then my final church was in Newport, Shropshire. Yes, not Gwent. We're from the Newport-Gwent area. But we went to... And there I ministered for seven years, and then I felt I'd taken the church enough and I thought it's time to retire from the responsibility of pastorate but to remain available for God and while I was at the church in uh, Newport uh, I also took on a part-time chaplaincy at uh, the Stafford Hospital and also St. George's the mental health hospital as well and the Lord has taken us through many things. And from there, my wife and I went to Thailand. We were going out for a year because our son was over in Malaysia. He said, if you retire, 
come out to Thailand, we can be nearer to each other, and uh, it will be a good thing. And we put this to the Lord, and it seemed good to us, to the Holy Spirit, that we go. But the one year lasted for three and a half years, and we've been now back in England for the past four years, just being available for God. And that's all he wants us to be. He wants you and me to be available. And to be available, not when the times are good, but also when the times are difficult and you're going through it. Because he is a God who has started a good work in you and he's going to finish it. I wonder, I won't ask you to show your hands, but I'm, I'm sure that most of us here will believe that we really are in the end times. Jesus spoke about the end times to his disciples. And it was a very important that he taught them. He didn't want us to be guessing. He didn't want us to be taken by surprise. He, through the prophets, would tell Israel what they should do, and when they were disobedient, they suffered for it. And many will say, well, we're not in those days today, but God is the same God. Jesus is God. The same today as he was yesterday. And he's going to be the same tomorrow in all our future. And he's going to be the same when he comes back again to judge the living and the dead. These things are now in front of us. So what should we be doing how should we, the church of Jesus Christ, who has been called to take the life-giving gospel to the world, commissioned by him, the risen Lord, what should we be doing? How should we be doing it? Well, Paul in Philippians tells the Philippian church they are to work out daily their salvation. Oh, they were safe and secure for time and eternity in Jesus Christ by coming to him in repentance and faith and accepting his finished work on the cross. But we are to work out with his help. And if we want somebody's help, we've got to ask them. And sometimes we can feel that we are so blessed and we've got it together that we don't really need to ask God anymore. We just say, Lord, bless me in this and bless me in that. And our God is a gracious Father. But he longs for us to join him in the work that he's doing in these days. Yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before, we went to war. We decided to join a war. I could say it was a war of justice and righteousness, a war against 
terror and death and hostility. Our God spoke of these things. Jesus himself taught his disciples there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Well, last century, we had two great wars. But the Third World War has already begun. Oh, not in the military prowess of great nations, but the war on humankind through terrorism. It affects all. Oh, we are comfortable here. We, we don't have these kind of happenings. But it could happen. How are we to react? Our brothers and our sisters in Iran, Iraq, Syria, are being persecuted. Christian families are being martyred why? They're good citizens? They're law-abiding in their country? Because they own the name of Jesus. We can talk about God. We can talk about religion. And we're not really offending until we name Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And I suspect even before long, it will be against the law to say that because it's going to offend someone. But you see, the gospel, the cross is an offense to the majority. But it is the power of God and to salvation to those who believe to those who are called according to his name he will work good in their lives even through personal tragedy and hardship or that of loved ones the world is getting darker Isaiah speaks about the dawning and the brightness and that's all already risen in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says that in this darkness, that was then, but this is now, and darkness takes many forms, wars, insecurities, deception, and lies. He says he will give his children light. And he will give us peace. And hurrah for that. And most people think of peace. Yes, it's the absence of war. But as Brian Gilbert, a Baptist minister of old, said, peace is not the absence of war and problems and troubles and trials. It's the presence of God. Jesus says, in this world you will have trials, tribulations. Trust me through them. 
call upon me in them. When you go through the waters, when you go through the fire, you won't be overwhelmed, you won't be burned. His promises to Israel, and they are promises that are true for the church, but they're still true for Israel. So what does he call his church to do? To be faithful, to be loyal. To trust him. Trust him with your personal problems. Don't get overwhelmed with them. Don't become insecure insecure through them. Give them to him and listen to his voice. He will guide you in the way that you are to go. There are many voices in the world and many choices we have to make. But if we wait upon the Lord, as Isaiah tells us, our strength will be renewed and he will make our pathway plain, as it says in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, no matter how blessed you are with academia and intelligence or or common sense or whatever. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he's the one who will direct your path. And that's God's word for us in a crooked and a perverse generation. I'll just end with reading from two Philippians. Because God talks about his restoration in Joel after terrible times. But now, therefore, my dear friends, says Paul, As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. His pleasure is to give us the kingdom. Nothing's too hard for him. Now do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Isn't that fantastic? He wants you to shine in a depraved generation, in a dark generation, in a generation of lostness. And everyone travels around, going here and going there, following this philosophy and that philosophy, and ideologies and ologies of all kinds and the Lord says call upon me and be saved 
Call upon me and I will direct your paths. And we are to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run and labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And Paul was writing this from prison in Rome. He would face his executioners soon afterwards. But the positiveness, the joy, the strength, the inner strength given by the faithful God who starts a good work and finishes it in you. Let's bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let's this is one of our favorite songs. We had it in church last week. And uh, I tell you, as you go on with the Lord, and as many of the older ones here will testify who's been walking with the Lord, you know, hey, 10,000 times 10,000 would be reasons, not just 10,000 reasons, but that's a, a recurring thing. To bless God for his faithfulness.